0: Welcome to Honey Do Me, a podcast that goes into the bedroom
1: and beyond, hosted by Emma Norman and Cass Anderson. Here at Honey Do Me, we don't have all the answers, so we chat with experts, educators, and badass changemakers to get them.
0: We are here to remind our listeners and ourselves that what we're going through is
1: normal, that we are worthy of love and pleasure, and that we are all in this together. So tell us, honey, how do you do you?
0: good afternoon how's it going it is a sure
1: going <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going we're here like we say we're actually very happy yeah. <laughs> and excited to be here despite how often we say we're, it's just yeah. going. Anything that when I say that, it's mainly
0: referencing to my life outside the podcast. Yeah. I wish I could live in this closet on this podcast <laughs> for my whole life. Because things would be fantastic. Fantastico. A fantastico. <laughs> With our cocktails that we always seem to have, mm-hmm. <laughs> just living here. Yeah. On this microphone. It's big. Because boy, big do I love myself on a microphone. Because <laughs> boy, <laughs> is my voice
2: yeah. gorgeous. <laughs>
1: Anyways, yeah. today we are. Doing something. (laughs) God damn it. You could
0: not find your seat.
1: (laughs) Today we're talking about something that has been highly, highly requested. Body confidence. Mm Mm-hmm. It was,
0: and I was actually really happy to see that so many people wanted to talk about this because this was a big topic for us. And mm. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I mean, not th- really, but I don't struggle. <laughs> <laughs> but I was glad that other people wanted to talk about it too, Absolutely. because it's gonna be I don't know, it's just a good conversation to start having. It's
1: actually one of the greatest struggles in my life, and yeah. by greatest, I mean biggest <laughs> <laughs> So it was very important to start talking about. We will continue talking about it. I think it's a huge part of why we started this podcast. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. we are a sex podcast, but your body is a huge part of sex. Yeah. Hopefully. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) my guess is, I don't know, I think they impact each other so much that you really can't separate them. I mean, how much of
0: what we talk about when we have someone on to talk about sex comes with confidence and Mm -hmm. comes with like shame, shame and Embarrassment or not being able to like fully express yourself because you feel uncomfortable or whatever.
1: Exactly. You know,
0: so much of your sexual expression
1: starts with how you feel about your body. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we always say, like, the point of this podcast is to help you have great sex, feel good in your body, and love yourself. And, you know, I think having great sex and feeling good in your body really both lead to that self love. They help to Mm -hmm. build it up. And I think, like, self love really. Is an important thing to be working towards. And so, in the end, that's kind of our ultimate, ultimate goal. I think something that we really realized in this episode was how many aspects of our lives really like try and tear us down Mm -hmm. and how many things are built into society to tear us down, things that you don't normally think about. Like I'm talking about diet culture and how that really permeates every aspect of our lives. And we talk a lot about that in this episode and just all the little sneaky ways it's screwing you over and making
0: you hate yourself. Totally. I haven't been one that often thought about diet culture, me and myself being on a diet. Me, myself and I. Me, myself and I. (laughs) But it was... Eye opening once that conversation started. Like I I literally felt it in my body. Mm -hmm. Like these like questions come up and the feeling of like, oh, I totally do that. I totally do that too. And I have shame around that as well. And it's just the word I used was subtle. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's there's so many subtle things in our minds and in our lives that we act
1: on that are a part of diet culture and like body shame. A hundred percent. I think Yeah, I feel like I've said it before, but this episode is such an eye opener. And I truly like, I love all of our episodes. I've learned something amazing from all of our episodes. I think this is the episode when I actually felt something shift. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like I have been thinking about this episode since we recorded it. And it has been changing my life small, like in slightly small ways, because I'm still, you know, not fully ready to commit to all of it because it's very scary and it's giving up a lot of the things that I've like. Identity. Yeah. It's giving up a huge part of my identity. And it, that's actually a really shitty identity. Like diet culture yeah. is a shitty identity, but we're taught that it's like a really cool good one. So today on the podcast we brought on just the best. Truly. Mm-hmm. She's a damn coach. Her name is yeah. Summer Inanin. Like I just said, she is a coach specializing in body confidence, self-worth, body image and She really just walked us through the whole thing. She's also the host of the podcast Eat the Rules, and (laughs) she tells it to you
0: like a coach. (laughs) Yeah, it's direct. (laughs) But that's what I liked. Mm -hmm. I liked going into this conversation with someone who was able to direct the conversation Mm -hmm. and be a coach about it. Um, It was a great, great conversation, and I'm really excited
1: to get into it. Yeah, we're super excited to share this one with you. So we'll see you on the other side. Bye. Bye. Just start out, if you could tell us a little bit about
2: who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm Summer Innan. I'm a professionally trained life coach that specializes in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and I help people to... Live their lives beyond the scale. I'm also the host of a podcast that is uh, being renamed. Will be <laughs> and rebranded as Eat the Rules, which um, oh cute, but I love it was that. formerly called Fearless Rebel Radio. Uh, and yeah, I'm the author of the book Body Imagery Mix, and I work with people through group pro- programs mostly, as well as some private coaching.
1: Just a lot of stuff, a yeah. lot of amazing stuff. <laughs> I've been doing
0: it a while. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this work of
2: coaching? Sure. So, um, you know, I, I grew up probably like a lot of people, really just never feeling good in my body and um, thinking that in order to feel better about myself, I had to look a certain way and be in a smaller body. And, um, I was bullied a lot for my body when I was growing up and my mom was a chronic dieter. And so it just, you know, this, this notion of like, you have to be thin in order to be worthy and valuable was (laughs) implanted in my brain from birth, which I think it is just, you know, culturally for everybody anyways but Mm -hmm. then really reinforced from personal experiences that I had and um and so I I became a chronic dieter as soon as I sort of figured out that you could try to diet (laughs) and Mm -hmm. spent decades of my life chronically dieting and um and was always in that strict binge cycle uh and I really for me specifically I really abused exercise so I um you know, would just drive myself into the ground. And it was all in this pursuit to try to get, you know, this smaller body, like, and I was always on this quest to find like the one thing that was finally going to help me get this body I wanted. And even when I was at my tennis, I still never felt good enough. And, um, and then that sort of transitioned into more of like, oh, a health focus, like, okay, I'm going to, no, I'm doing this all for my health. And I sort of really got into the like paleo scene, um, when it first came out, um, well, first came out, like first became sort of popular <laughs> super popular in right. media <laughs> Yeah, many, many years ago. And, um, and I was working a corporate job at the time and I was actually, you know, I think I'd turned 30 and I said to myself, okay, there's no way I can just keep doing this corporate job for the rest of my life. Like, what is something that I'm really passionate about? And I was like, oh, well, I'm really passionate about nutrition and food. And, um, and so then I, I actually went back to school to become a nutritionist and quit my corporate job. And, was was doing that, um, and then my I was still like really chronically dieting, like, and and just in that restrict binge cycle. Uh, as I said, that went on for decades, mm-hmm. and um, re kind of reached a breaking point where, where my health started to break down. So I, I um, my I lost my period and was just um, like experiencing all these sort of like hormonal issues, and I kept thinking like, oh, well, food is the answer, and so I kept further, you know, tweaking and tweaking things. And then it, it got to the point where, um, I saw multiple doctors and, and all of them seemed to just almost reinforce my disordered way of thinking, mm-hmm. uh, until I finally found uh, a naturopathic doctor who actually was like, okay, everything you're doing is causing this problem. And your hormones are wow. the same as a postmenopausal woman. And I was at my the gosh. age of 32. And so, um, Uh, Like I had no libido, I didn't, I hadn't had a period in a year. Like there was just all these things that were happening, and yet I was gaining weight, and 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 so like that's that's why I just didn't think it was because of the way that I was eating. But she was the one to really look at under the hood and see what was really going on, and then um, that was sort of my wake up call moment where I realized like, okay. I have a problem. I I really just never thought I had a problem. I Mm -hmm. thought everything I was doing was normal because it is so normalized in our culture to diet, um, especially with like wellness sort of being the new word for dieting. Mm -hmm. It's really celebrated. um, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I sort of had this like breakdown because I was more upset that she was telling me I had to move less and eat more. Right. Um, then I was about the fact that my hormones were the same as a postmenopausal woman. And that was sort of when I was like, okay, what am I doing to myself? And I remember just going down this sort of like, then discovery of like, oh, wait a minute, there's another way. And I, and it kind of led me to like, um, Eventually to intuitive eating, I won't go through all the different <laughs> motions that I got together, but eventually led me to intuitive eating and um, and really realizing that like the way I felt about my body was the root of all of this, and that the reason why I was in this diet cycle was because of the way I felt about my body and the way I felt about my body was really because my self worth was hinged to my appearance, so I I just I valued myself based on my appearance and validation from others, and so then I got a lot of help and support and eventually started to bring these different concepts into my own practice when I was working with clients as a nutritionist, but realized I didn't want to talk about food with people anymore. Um, and some of the people who'd really helped me along the way were different coaches. And, and so went back and completely transitioned into coaching coaching. Um, And, and now I focus on, on the body image piece specifically, because I was like, well, this is really the big, biggest piece of it Mm -hmm. and self-worth, but, um, you know, the sort of surface level of it is body image. And if people can, you know, heal their relationship with their body and really know that their, the, their value in this world has nothing to do with the way that they look, then, you know, that we we can really disrupt that diet cycle and really start to, you know, reclaim our power and and not have it be based on like these external measures and validation and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, because so many of those programs when you're going and like wanting to learn more about how to just value your body aren't separate from food, like they have a food aspect. So having yours just be solely on body image and really healing that part of you, I think is really powerful. And separating it from like, and this is how you should be eating because you're just contradicting what I think is your message then.
2: Yeah, like I think I think it depends on how that food piece is being brought into it. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's an intuitive eating piece, then I think that that is 100% relevant, but mm-hmm. you know, my breadth and depth of experience is solely on body image. And I think that it's like, it's pretty deep and it takes a long time to really unpack all those layers. And so um I want, I, I love working with people around that. And it's just, it's so rewarding to be able to see people, you know, come back to me and say, like, I just look in the mirror and I just feel indifferent. And that's, and that's kind of can be shocking to people too, because it's like indifferent, like who wants to feel indifferent when they look in the mirror. But that's ultimately what I want for people because you're going to age, like your body's going to change. And I I don't, you know, for for me, my goal is to not have people look in the mirror and be like, I'm so hot, but to have people look in the mirror and maybe like what they see or not like what they see, but be okay either way and just get on with their day and get shit done and live a really great, fulfilling life.
1: I think that's so like, That's such an important reframing because I think a lot of people, I know I relate to a lot of what you said and like your journey. And I think a lot of people can, which speaks to how pervasive of an issue that it is. But to the idea of going from where I am or where I've been to loving my body feels like such a big jump. Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge jump. And I think it can feel that way for a lot of people. So I think, you know, not having to be like, I love my body every single day. I think I'm so hot. All of that. I think it's a big reframing. That's really important. It makes mm-hmm. it a lot more accessible, still difficult and like yeah. a journey, but for sure. I really like it.
2: Yeah. 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 Because this idea that you have to like, love your body is, is just, it can feel like another expectation and another mm-hmm thing to just feel bad about if you're not living up to it. And it's also really just feeding into this narrative that our value comes in our desirability. Mm -hmm. And even if that desirability is coming through your own lens, it still to me feels problematic, because I really want people to go beyond that. And I want them to keep, you know, get, not have the focus be on the body or finding ourselves attractive rather know you're good enough regardless. And that's going to help you then, you know, be able to look in the mirror sometimes and Mm -hmm. say like, Oh, I look cute today or what or whatever. But the getting to a place of like kind of ambivalence or indifference or neutrality or however you want to phrase it um, is just so liberating in and of itself. And that can be scary for people because it's like kind of giving up this Mm -hmm. pursuit of, you know, trying to see yourself as attractive and having others feed into that as well. But, um, you know, the the work is really about detaching from those things. Mm-hmm.
1: What a damn concept. Yeah. We aren't just made to be pretty. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, we would love to dive into basically everything you've talked about. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we'd like to start out with just body image, like what it is, kind of like where we get our ideas of our body. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Sure. So, you know, the, the, our body image is really just the way that we feel about our body and it comes from, um, two, two areas really, which I sort of spoke to, um, briefly when I told my story, but you know, it comes from, um, like our, our culture and, and specifically, uh, social oppressions and and is influenced by social oppressions. And as well as then like kind of our, our own experiences with it and anything that's sort of influenced, um, the way that we feel about ourselves. And so like culturally, you know, the things that influence our body image are sexism, misogyny, Mm fat phobia, racism, um homophobia like any of those any of those things so depending on the various layers of oppression that you experience, that's going to influence the the way that you feel about your body. And, and that's because, um, you know, and and that's because like we have inherited these scripts and these beliefs about who we are from our culture based on these various harmful narratives. And, and so to, to give you like a more concrete example of that, let's talk about fat phobia because we all have internalized fat phobia. Mm -hmm. And fat phobia is just, you know, fear of, of being fat and, and, and then these harmful beliefs about what it means to be in a larger body. And so most of us sort of grow up with this belief of, okay, fat equals bad and thin equals good. That's reinforced everywhere in our culture, like from children's books to TV shows. Like it's just, it's right there from the moment you're born. It's always a joke too. Like I feel like, yeah.
1: There's there's always yes. like the
0: token character that's the chubbier one or something. Mm-hmm. And it's always an at like at that's their, their whole character. Yeah. yeah, their their whole personality is being the chubby one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yes, yes. And and like all the beauty standards, I mean, which can which can really just subtly kind of get into your head when you're if you're not opening your eyes to it and really seeing like, oh, wow, like it is really just this like monotone version of of, of beauty. Um, like it, that only is what I can't remember what it is, like 5% of the population actually looks like that. Um, probably even less. <laughs> but, you know, we're all sort of striving to look like this thin, young, white version of beauty. And, um, and so we, we inherit these beliefs and then that forms the way that we feel about ourselves. We start Mm -hmm. like looking at ourselves through that lens. And if you're not kind of living up to that standard, then you are, you are believing more negative things about yourself. And especially as, as women, it, we, you know, our worth is tied to our appearance, right. so that is something that comes from our culture as well. You know, women are valued based on how they how they look, and I like to think that that's kind of changing. But mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it's not changing. I mean, this this is happening right now during the like we're having this conversation while the election results are being tallied in the mm-hmm. U.S. and like. Fifty more than fifty percent of white women voted for a misogynist individual. Mm-hmm. You know, like so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I would like mm-hmm. to think that things are changing, but but then you look at stats
0: and it's like, yeah. well. I don't know where the fuck we are then.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I know. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, um, so, so all that stuff. So, so the point of that is the way you feel about your body is not your fault. Like you've Mm -hmm. inherited these beliefs from our culture and um, the body shame that you carry is not an individual defect and it's not your fault and you don't need to be fixed. And I think that that's really important for people to understand because um, oftentimes when I'm working with clients, they come to me and they, they will literally say, I'm, I feel like I'm broken or, Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like there's something wrong with me. And like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You have just inherited these beliefs and we can unlearn them and we can start to write a new script for ourselves where we, um, abandon these beliefs and we, and we start to know that we are valuable, uh, and worthy regardless of how we look. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece of our body image is really just based on personal experiences and the lived experiences that you had. Um, you know, like if you were bullied for your body or if, you know, the times that you were made to feel like you were a failure or, or you weren't good enough or, um, all the times that people like, called you pretty or didn't call you pretty. Mm -hmm. Like all of those experiences kind of reinforce these cultural narratives that we have in our head and the beliefs that we have as a result and therefore make us, um, kind of design the way that we feel about how we look. And, um, and that's really where, where it comes from. And then you mentioned something in the
0: beginning about how your mom was really like super strict dieter. So do we also get things from what we're seeing growing up within our family Oh yes.
2: Oh yes. 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 Like a hundred percent. That's a, that's a good point. So, um, you know, it's all modeled to us. And, um, and, and I think the majority of the clients I work with had parents mainly mothers mm-hmm. who are chronic dieters mm-hmm. and um and also you know sometimes make comments to them about their body like oh we better watch that oh, you know we better watch out like you're starting to get bigger and it was always around puberty time right um, so fucked most up because <laughs> you're
1: just your body is changing it's like how I think it's hard to like I know I experienced that with my mom and like my mom and I are super super close and I know she never meant any harm when like she was, You know, talking negatively about her own body, or just making little comments about my body—like that's how she grew up too. Like, in the same way that, like, I'm not broken, like she's not broken for telling me those things. I feel like it's like that was literally what she was taught to do, and how she was like trying to help me. Mm -hmm. I think, but it was still really harmful. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes, there for for the most part, people's intentions in that type of context is protection. Like there's, you know, the, when my mom made a comment about my body or said like, Oh, maybe you should eat this instead. Like she was just trying to protect me because she was holding so much internalized fat phobia about herself. Mm-hmm, right. And, um, and so, you know, to, passing that along to me, like she thought she was just helping me. Like, I remember she helped me with my first diet. She was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, here's what you want to do. And like, she had like this book with all the fat grams and stuff. Cause this was in the Early 90s, and so it was all about like low fat dieting. And, um, and you know, looking back, I'm like, oh my god, like, because I'm a parent <laughs> yeah. now, and I'm like, I can't imagine doing that, but it's just, it, you know, it was just she really thought she was looking after me, and that's what then, and, and it's, it's unfortunate, but that's, that's so common for so many people, and that's, that's pretty, that's like a pretty overt example, but more subtle examples are just.
0: Since 1996, Osea has been making seaweed-infused skincare that is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code Doomi at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to O S E A malibu.com and use code D E W M E for 10% off.
2: Um, you know, the way that, the, the way that we, um, compliment our, Mm -hmm. our children. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, saying like, Oh, like you, you know, look at your body or you look so tall or look at, you're so skinny or you're so beautiful and it, and beautiful is kind of, you know, I'm not saying you can never tell someone that they're beautiful, but, that's usually like the go-to comment, especially for, for women. And and that I think is, is where we really start to get this idea that like our value is in our appearance. It's trying to
0: get that beautiful comment from someone. Yeah. Yeah. even
2: if you're on the receiving end of it a lot, like uh, oftentimes a lot of clients who then grow up and they kind of start to age out of the beauty game and they're like, I don't even know who I am now because I was always just kind of like the pretty one. and so uh parents really need to watch and, and it's just like subtle comments. It's even like, you know, if if one parent is with their friend and they look at their friend and they're like, oh, you look so good, or like, oh, you've lost weight, like what have you done? Like all of those things are reinforcing um the you know, fat phobic beliefs and that is, you know, that that thinner is better. And and little kids are listening and they're picking all these things up. And so um yeah, it's just, you know, I try to tell other parents to, um, you know, affirm, celebrate all bodies, try to compliment people on something other than their looks, and mm-hmm. teach kids that, like, all bodies are worthy of respect and are valid. And, um, And to like call out stuff when you see it. So on a TV show or something like that, to be like, hey, like, let's just pause it here for a minute and talk about why this isn't right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that we can try to uh, change the legacy of our next generation.
1: Definitely. I've, you know, I've always thought about how like the negative things I've had people say to me have impacted my body image, but I've never thought about how the like, so-called positive things have affected how I feel about my body but thinking back like I remember in seventh grade when this one boy told me that I looked better when I did my hair this certain way and then how every day after that when I didn't put in the extra time to do my hair like that I was like oh I must not look pretty today and like that's such a vivid memory still which I doubt he remembers if you do Mm. (laughs) here we are here we are (laughs) talking about it
2: yeah yeah it's those little moments though Totally.
1: That's
0: why you'd wake up 30 minutes early. because, like, oh, they really liked it when I curled my hair that yeah. day. So now I'm going to do it. In my tubes, my curl my, tubes. And like the back was still straight, yeah. but the front was really curly. Exactly.
2: So, <laughs> wow. I'm <yes>. glamorous. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I know. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. But anyway. you've given me a lot to think yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should dive a little bit into diet culture and just kind of first defining what that is.
2: Yeah. So it's a culture that normalizes the practice of dieting because fat phobia is normalized. I guess that would be a succinct way of saying it. Um, and so some examples are just, you know, people sitting around eating a meal and someone saying, I'm going to be bad. I'm going to have another piece of dessert or, Oh, I can't eat that. Like I, you know, I'm doing keto or whatever. Um, Or like, oh, that's bad for you. You shouldn't eat that. Um, all those little (laughs) phrases uh, are really representative of, of diet culture and it's diet culture is basically being held up by, by fat phobia. Like if, if all bodies were deemed valuable and worthy and thin wasn't considered better then diet culture would not exist. I Mm -hmm. don't think, um, and so it's really every, you know, it's all of our food decisions that are tied to, is this going to make me gain weight or is this going to make me lose weight? And, um, and it creates this like culture of like camaraderie and support around dieting. It's sort of like, it's just so normalized. It's like, everybody should be doing this. Um, like, of course that food is bad for you. Or like, of course, you know, um, you, we should all like be trying to eat, you know, less carbs or whatever. I'm just kind of going with mm-hmm, what's. Yeah in, in this moment. Mm -hmm. And that's always changing. Um, but it's, it's embedded into the fabric of our, of our society. Like even when you think about foods that are, that are branded as guilty pleasures or, um, like skinny pop, like things with things, like things that are kind of in that branding. And we just, we just kind of accept that. And yet, um, that's all diet culture. That's Mm -hmm. all, that's all part of it right there. And I mean, there's like, I can probably come up with tons more examples, but the way that it sort of evolved and shape shifted is into like a more focus on health. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the root of it, it's all still the same. And so I think that that's something that now people are like, oh no no, but it's for my health. But really, if you ask them, like, okay, but would you do it if it would if it's going to make you gain weight? And they'd be like, oh no, well, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. um, you know, it's 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 not really about health. It's 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 always comes back to 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 it being about our bodies and like the way that we have moralized food into good and bad categories or healthy and unhealthy and how then we translate that into like whether or not you're a good human being or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that, then we carry as individuals, we carry shame and guilt about our food choices or we're constantly shitting all over ourselves thinking like I should eat this or I shouldn't eat that because of, of the like that kind of like good, bad dichotomy that, um, we've we've inherited from from diet culture.
0: Yeah, I experience that good, bad, I shouldn't, I should thing daily, and I've only just recently realized how that can be a subtle aspect of diet culture. So I feel like the subtle aspects can really be like you just don't even realize how they are affecting the way you're eating. It's kind of crazy when you look at the little things in life that really are just ingrained in you about. How you should be looking. And I like your definition of the difference between it's not like diet culture is a fear of gaining weight. And so when you actually look at what you're doing, it's like, oh, am I doing this though because I'm trying not to gain weight? And if it's yes, then that's what's hurting you. It's not, oh, I'm trying to be healthy because this my cholesterol needs to go down. It's like, no, I'm trying to lose weight, and that's something that's I need to look at.
1: That's the number one goal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's just crazy. The subtle ways that really diet culture is in just about everyone.
2: Yeah. And you bring up a good point. Like I'm not, and it, cause I think a lot of people get confused. They think like, well, if I'm rejecting diet culture, like if I'm just eating the things I want to eat, then I'm not going to be healthy, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm rejecting health. And I think that that's, I mean, that's just so wrong because the whole point <laughs> is that you learn how to take care of yourself and really tend to your needs and you're able to, um, Prioritize choices that make you feel good and and um, and can be for your health if that's what you want it to be for your physical health. Um, well, also tending to like your mental and emotional health too. And I think that that's like the important piece, uh, an important piece of this puzzle is that we look at food as just like whether it's kind of like what it's going to do to our physical selves and mm-hmm. our physical health versus like emotionally and mentally and what that really does to us and the way that. Um, you know, if you look at intuitive eating, which is what I always encourage people to to do is it's it's really about taking your mental and emotional um, health into the equation as well. And uh, and about finding kind of like that balance between them or knowing that, like, OK, sometimes I honor my mental health and not my physical health or vice versa. And being able to go to a place where you can do that, where there's just no judgment, guilt or shame. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Yeah, everything you're saying, I'm just like trying to absorb it because it's like making a lot of things like click and connect for me. I think one thing that really just connected was I have difficulty, you know, navigating. Am I doing this for my health? Am I doing this because I want to be thinner? And just like telling myself, oh, you can't eat that today or you can't have that right now. But I think in those moments asking myself why and really wondering, like, do I not want to eat that because it makes me feel like crappy because mm-hmm. like it'll make my stomach hurt, or do I not want to eat that because I'm scared of like gaining weight? So mm-hmm. I think that's a really simple mm-hmm. tool to use. But another thing that um you made me think about was I've been vegan for the past like four years. I'm actually transitioning out of being vegan, like into being a pescatarian right now because I was just so tired and didn't feel good, and I have a lot of other like foods that I can't eat because of my hormones that I'm working with in Agrabab. it it's just a lot. <laughs> so it was really getting to a point where it felt so restrictive and it, it I was having a lot of difficulty navigating if it was, you know, trying to help me with my hormones, if it was because of the veganism, if it was because I didn't want to gain weight. And yeah, it just got to a point where it was like, why am I doing this? And there were so many things that I was telling myself, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. Where it was like... Every day was, you had something new that you would tell me that you exactly, like couldn't eat. Exactly. And it was... I was like what what is left? What <laughs> do you eat at this yeah. point? And so I was at a point where there really wasn't anything mm-hmm. that I was eating other than vegetables and like yeah. lentils. Mm-hmm. And I felt terrible and I was like okay, I have to I have to stop one thing. Like yeah. I have to stop restricting myself in at least one of these ways and so veganism felt like kind of the only way to do that and I don't I don't eat meat because I don't morally like agree with it, but Also, you don't like the taste of it sometimes. Uh, Well, it (laughs) freaks me out also. Like, it actually makes me, But, yeah, it's just really hard navigating all of those Mm -hmm. different things and realizing, like, wow, I was really restricting myself in so many ways. And just, you know, when my partner and I, we were driving past, like, a cold stone last night. And I was like, I wish we could have cold stone someday. And he was like, we, like, we can have dairy now. And I was like, oh, my God, we Mm can't. Just, like, not having that, I can't have that anymore in so many ways is so freeing. Mm -hmm. It's really weird. (laughs) There's so much space to move.
2: (laughs) And I think, like, you can't, I mean, you can have anything you want. It's just Mm -hmm. sometimes you might choose not to based on how it's going to make you feel. Exactly. I think that that's an important, like, way to think about food in our own minds. Like, we, you know, you can't, you can eat whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes you might choose not to because based on like if if you have you know an food intolerance or something like mm-hmm. that. But technically, you can eat it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that is true. I still eat ice cream even though I have an intolerance to dairy. <laughs> you might get
2: the shits. <laughs>
0: And I do, but I sacrifice that
2: (laughs) for other benefit. And that's the thing. Like sometimes in the moment you sacrifice, like, or, you know, you accept some physical discomfort in order Mm -hmm. for the, like the emotional and mental satisfaction in the moment. And that's, that's totally normal and and healthy, and that's okay. It's just so demonized in our culture to do that. But, Mm -hmm. um, like depriving yourself when you really want something is not healthy either. Right.
0: Exactly. And I'm learning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In your podcast, which I love, um, you have you mentioned something about using like diets as a form of like control or to soothe. Because we usually think of like emotional eating. Um, I was wondering if you could touch on like emotional dieting and like using dieting as like a comfort and a soothing.
2: Yeah. Thing, tool. Yeah. So fixating on our body and dieting—they're really like tools of avoidance and coping strategies to deal with other emotions in our lives. And, um, and that's something that like, you know, was, it was one of the biggest aha moments, to be honest, that I had when I first was starting to kind of look into this stuff for myself. Um, There was this, this book that I read called um, when women stop hating their bodies Uh, and it's an older book Jane Hirschman and Carol Munter are the authors of it. Uh, and it was one of the first books I sort of read around this concept of like, oh, we're not supposed to hate our bodies. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and one of the things that they mentioned in the book is that we use our body to to kind of, our, our body size and and like the way we feel about our body to process bigger things going on in our lives. So what I mean by that is it, a lot of times when we have moments of body shame, there's actually something else going in our going on in our lives, but it's so much easier to hate our body than to feel other emotions like loneliness, grief, anxiety, feeling out of control. And it gives us like some sense of control. Mm-hmm. So it's like if I hate my body, okay, it gives me something I can fix mm-hmm. versus like Oh, if I have to like actually sit with this feeling of loneliness or feeling of abandonment or feeling of like anxiety about something that's completely out of my control, like those emotions are much bigger and harder to to manage. And so dieting becomes like this way to kind of avoid those things it gives us like almost like a little dopamine hit it gives us a sense of control it's like okay well i'm doing this for myself and i'm working on this and there's like this hope at the end of the tunnel but a lot of the times we're just using it to kind of get away from like these uncomfortable feelings that we're actually experiencing so um So in short, we sort of turn to dieting as a way to cope with our emotions or avoid uncertainty and discomfort. And we try to kind of control those emotions by fixating on our weight because we believe that being fan is going to make everything better and it gives us that sense of control when we're dieting. And, and so, you know, people, yeah, talk about like emotionally soothing yourself with food. And well I do think there is some truth to that, although a lot of times that's driven by restriction too. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like we medicate ourselves with dieting to soothe and fix our feelings. Mm-hmm. And it's that's another reason why dieting can be such an addictive thing and, and why there's like a lot of kind of like, community in it too, because we're all just sort of like doing this together. Um, and it f- creates a sense of community. It gives you a sense of like in- belonging and inclusion, mm-hmm. which can then kind of mask feelings of mm-hmm. like isolation or low sense of self-worth and all, all these other things. Um, you know, it's easier for us to think that our weight is the problem than to face things like, like some of those bigger emotions, like shame or loneliness or rejection or hurt.
0: It's funny when you're talking about that it's clicking with me different than when we wrote this question because when we're talking about it i can totally identify with that feeling of needing something to have control over like i remember um, i have two thoughts on this i'm trying to think of which one to go first i'll say so when i've gone through breakups i've changed my hair color because i'm like i don't know how to deal with this so i'm going to do something that i can control and i also remember being gym crazy because I'm like, this is where I can channel some energy and I can see things change, even though I can't fix what's on the inside. Like I can, I remember with my first breakup, I lost so much weight because I just stopped eating. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's something I can control. And I was like, hey, I'm really tiny now. Like that's really cute. But I also remember um the first time that idea clicked with me. It's actually kind of funny. It was in a Lizzie McGuire episode. And Miranda,
1: as they always, as are. they always are,
0: I think Miranda, Lizzie's friend, her parents are going through a divorce. So she like stopped eating. But they really addressed eating disorders in that episode. And she like came to the conclusion at the end, like this is the only thing I can control. So mm-hmm. I'm controlling how I'm like taking in food. But that I don't know, that hit me in that moment, and it just made me remember it. <laughs> but I also identify with that so much more now that we're talking about. Ways that diets can really soothe when you need that thing to be control, like have control over, mm-hmm. which is kind of mm-hmm. yeah, it runs deep. It it does run deep. <laughs> I'm
1: like getting yeah. all clammy over here.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really like a it's kind of a normalized and celebrated coping mechanism. And I think that um, yes, one of the things I do when I'm working with people is as soon as they have urges to diet or as soon as they have moments where they're feeling a lot of shame about their body. Um, I really am just like, okay, what, what's going on in your life? Like what emotions are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And we, and we get to the deeper stuff that's underneath and, and just being able to create that separation of like, okay, no, it's the problem. Isn't my body. The problem is that, you know, I'm experiencing a lot of like emotional heaviness from these other circumstances or from, for no reason at all, just because sometimes we feel heavier emotions um, and I'm looking for a way to kind of escape and soothe and fix them. And dieting is really easy and it's kind of a lot of our go-to, um, go-to ways of, of trying to, uh, fix those feelings instead of actually learning ways to, you know, be with those feelings and, right. and comfort ourselves. Right.
0: Cause we're not taught to do that. We're taught to change how we look and things will get better. So, mm-hmm.
2: yeah exactly and then they never do it's like oh if you have shame (laughs) and change your body and the shame will go away and it's like "Mm, that's not how it works at all
1: yeah absolutely I just want to make it really clear for myself I know for like I've like a lot of this stuff is new to me some of this stuff I've I've like known it like I know it deep down um but then I still will be like well I still want to diet so can you make it really clear like why should we quit diet culture? Like, what? what's the benefit? Like, what do we get from quitting diet culture?
2: Well, you got a hell of a lot of time, energy, and money back mm-hmm. because <laughs> you're not sure it, sure. wasting time <laughs> thinking about food, thinking about your body, spending money on supplements, like, you know, spending money on, like, superfoods and, like, you know, uh... <laughs> coconut aminos and, like, shit that's, like, so expensive, Um, unless you, like, legitimately can't eat that because you have celiac or something, legitimately can't eat soy sauce because you have celiac or something like that, Um, and maybe people don't even know what coconut aminos are, and and that's good, too, but I just, you know, people spend a lot of time, energy, and money on it, and um, uh, Naomi Wolf in The Beauty Myth says, it's dieting is the most potent um, political sedative, and, like, I want that statement to really sink in for people because what it does is it puts us in a position where we are so fixated kind of on ourselves and food and we're not energized because we're depriving ourselves and therefore we're unable to like really participate more strongly in making cultural changes and see how like all these various levels of systemic oppression have influenced our lives and the lives that 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 hopefully other people care about too um and be able to fight for change there, and 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 so what you gain is like is being able to like liberate yourself from a system that's um, taken away your power, and as well as reclaim uh, you know your time, your energy, and and your money from from this like putting it into the beauty industry, putting it into the diet industry. And I know I just said the beauty industry there, and I'm, I'm not like anti you know doing things to decorate your body, but I do. Like I, I do really reinforce that I want people to do it as a form of self-expression and just decorate and celebrate your body versus like, I feel like I have to do this because otherwise people are going to like see me without my makeup and oh my God. <laughs> um, and so there's the, you know, I, I'm not like anti everything that the beauty industry has to offer. I'm anti a lot of the messaging that, may, that right. they use to kind of sell us these, like make us feel not good enough in order to sell us solutions.
1: Yeah. stop supporting industries that don't give a shit about you yeah only care that you don't like yourself yeah exactly yeah
2: and and like the fact is um because i'm going off of the fact that people maybe know this but i'm realizing Mm -hmm. that they don't 95 percent of people are going to regain the weight that they lost plus more in the long term so there's not one form of dieting that shows long-term effective weight loss for the majority of people. And I think that that's really important to understand. Like there's a reason why the diet industry is worth so much money because it is set up to make us fail. Like it Mm -hmm. literally goes against our physiology and our body fights back. So when we have, when we diet and then we're like, break our diet because we're, you know, we see something and we're like, Oh, I have to eat this. Well, that's just your body trying to protect you. Like that's a normal physiologic physiological reaction <laughs> to restriction. Uh-huh. Like when you're in famine, your body's going to try and do everything it can to get you out of that. And you might right. be saying to yourself, well, no, I'm not in famine. I'm eating enough, but like, Odds are probably good if you're of doing what? some sort of like, form of dieting. You're restricting right. yourself either mentally or physically. And mm-hmm. mental restriction is going to have that same reaction as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I love what you said about your body trying to protect you. Like, what if your weight gain is your body trying to protect you? Like, what if it isn't bad? I know you've talked about that on your podcast. I think that is such a revolutionary mm-hmm. like, way to think about weight gain and our bodies. I know, like, you know that like lower tummy pooch. Mm -hmm. Like we recently learned that like a uterus can cause that and like your body needs that extra bit of padding to protect your uterus. Like I've tried really hard to get rid of that when it's like my body is literally just trying to take care of me Mm -hmm. and do its best to like make sure I'm safe and Mm -hmm. healthy like in the actual way of like health. Right, (laughs)
0: the actual, they would know. (laughs) Yeah, it knows,
2: (laughs) it knows best. Mm So. Yeah, we we often think our body's working against us, but mm-hmm. really, I mean, it, if, if it was working against you, like you'd have a hard time breathing. You know, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I know other other people have said this, so this is not my original thought. But like, you know, if 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 diet, if if your hunger, if you looked at your hunger like breathing or like going to the bathroom, like you know, you, 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 honor those things, you honor breathing, you honor, um, like going to the bathroom <laughs> in <Right. laughs> the same way we should honor our hunger. Like it's meaningful. Mm. It's there for a reason. Yeah. Um, it's not
0: lying to you. I promise.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I always just say well-fed people are the ones that are going to be the ones changing this world. Like, you know, mm. we, you're not going to be able to do that on an empty stomach. You gotta That's so be fed. Cute.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love
2: that. Um, Cass is
0: getting all teared up over here. That was really cute. What are the first steps to start trying to quit diet culture then? If you're really trying to get out of that cycle, like how do you know what patterns you have adapted that are a part of this culture and how do you take these steps to get out of them?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, from the very get go, I would just encourage people to learn about, diet culture and learn about why diets don't work. And there's some really good books out there. Um, Christy Harrison has a book called anti-diet. Caroline Duner has a book called the fuck it diet. All of those books are really helpful to kind of go into the nuts and bolts of like, how the way that we're taught to think about food um, influences our relationship with food and how to heal that. And they also unpack things like, well, what about like the obesity epidemic? And I'm putting those in quotation marks, but Mm -hmm. all the kind of questions that people have. So if you're like listening to this and you're thinking, "Well, I don't buy anything this person is saying, like just read one of their books or listen to one of their podcasts and, and try to um, just keep your mind open as to why diets don't work. And then once you've sort of gotten on board with that. Then the next step is to, um, like I always have people look at getting rid of all the things that don't make them feel good about themselves. And so, uh, the way I kind of phrase it to people is uh, think about your brain split in two and there's like half of your brain. That's kind of the voice of your inner critic. And you want to get rid of anything that's feeding that side of your brain. And then you want to look for ways to fill the other side of your brain, which I call like, okay, that's your voice of compassion. That's like your inner wisdom. And so let's, if we kind of break that down into more specifics, the things that generally feed the voice of our inner critic are things like the scale, Mm -hmm. um, the clothes in our closet that don't fit, the pages that we're following on Mm -hmm. social media. So, I always have people get rid of the scale and usually like they've kind of, by the time they start working with me, they're kind of in that state to be ready to do that or they've right. already done it. Um, and, uh, but I totally understand that that's like a terrifying step for a lot of people, but really it's like, this piece of metal that is completely reinforcing negative beliefs about ourselves. And we're looking to this thing for validation when it's not giving us any form of validation. It's just telling us that the only that our the the size of our body is the thing that is gives us a sense of worthiness. And so getting rid of that is so liberating. Mm-hmm. And then same thing getting rid of clothes that don't fit. Mm-hmm. And then changing social media is huge. So as I mentioned before, like mainstream images are all very thin, white, young. Um, and so to, and, and kind of meet like these like Eurocentric, uh, standards of beauty. And so we want to get away from that, like unfollow as much of that as you can mm-hmm. and start to follow people who look different than you. So people in, or maybe not even different than you. People who actually look like you, right. or uh-huh. <laughs> that's a better way of saying it. Um, <laughs> people who look like you, or are or different from you, and different from the mainstream. Right. So people in larger bodies, um, you know, people of of different backgrounds and experiences and races and ages and um, and things like that. And and that is like that can be huge in and of itself. Like just making that social media shift. And there's so many different um, fat positive people out there. There or body positive kind of gets a little muddled if you mm-hmm, use mm-hmm. it on Instagram because there's a lot of people who still kind of look like the standard of beauty um, or who are still kind of peddling weight loss at mm-hmm. using the body positive hashtag. So just be mindful of that. But there's just so many accounts out there now. And to even just spend like a few minutes a day looking at bodies that look more like your own or different um, can be really really helpful and and so that those are kind of some of the main things and then uh in terms of kind of building up the side of you that knows that you're valuable and worthy um it's really about kind of unpacking some of the beliefs that we have about what it means you know what it means to be a woman what it means to and, and that's if you identify that way what it means to um be in a larger body versus a thinner body and trying to like unpack those beliefs and unlearn them and relearn new beliefs that support um, the notion that you're valuable and worthy regardless of your size. And then there's various other pieces to it too. Like compassionate self-talk is really huge as well as like compassionate self-care. And that includes um, not just like going out for a manicure or pedicure, but really like looking at like, how am I supporting my mental health here and things like that.
1: Yeah. Everything you said, I love Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I really connected with was going through your closet and like getting rid of the things that don't fit you because I know I've had this really I'm going to call it a toxic behavior of buying clothes that are too small for me because I tell myself oh I'll fit in that when I'm done with this like exercise thing I'm going to do or this diet I'm going to do and then I walk into my closet and nothing fits and I feel like absolute shit like a failure. Yeah, like an absolute yeah. failure and I'm like nothing looks good on me and my partner's like sitting there trying to make me feel good about myself and I'm like but none of my clothes fits and it's like of course they don't dude yeah. you <laughs> bought them too small You did that to yourself I li- yeah. like I literally I just went through my closet about a month ago and I gave some stuff to my 14-year-old sister and it fit her and I'm 24 it and yeah. it's just like I bought stuff that fits a 14-year-old body and I don't have a 14-year-old body anymore Yeah, and that's okay Mhm but I need to stop buying stuff that fits my sister. Yeah. Like that's, I'm setting myself up for so many Mm -hmm. shitty days of walking into my closet. And so I've started buying stuff that actually fits my body. And I love walking into my closet now Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I look so good. good. I feel so good. I feel comfortable. It's not squeezing me in all of these horrible places. And yeah. And off of that like letting go of
0: those clothes that like oh but I love this I've had this forever Mm -hmm. and it's like it doesn't fit now so now what's wrong with me it's like oh you're an adult now (laughs) you're
1: not a sophomore in high school anymore I literally
0: have clothes from high school that I'm like this doesn't
1: fit the same it's like Uh uh-huh good yeah as an adult woman maybe it shouldn't your body grew congratulations (laughs) exactly you were nourished enough to continue
0: growing right but that's hard to like click that in your mind like oh i'm
1: bigger than what i was it's like no i just grew up when i like, saw yes, my sister put on the jeans that i gave her i was like oh my okay. god i can't believe i tried those on last week and was like why don't they look right on me mm-hmm. because they're made for a 14 year old right right yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and curating your instagram in whatever social media you're on to be different mm-hmm. than what it was like i started instagram in high school so i was following the things that you know, high school people compare themselves to. Mm-hmm. And so changing that too has been huge this last year mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Yeah. The closet thing is really big and, and like buy clothes that actually fit you or even are just like slightly like looser. Just to, yeah, yeah. You know, just to be comfortable. Yeah. God <laughs> Damn. Just like trying yeah. to like squeeze yourself into it. And, um, yeah. and there can be a lot of grief in that process of getting mm-hmm, rid of those clothes sure. that don't fit. Um, but you, you know, if you think about it this way, like if every time you go to your closet, you start feeling negative about yourself. Like that's not going to help you feel better about yourself at all. (laughs) Same with stepping on the scale. So that's why those two things kind of go hand in hand.
1: Mm -hmm. One thing that I'm wondering is what if you're trying to quit diet culture and you're trying to do these practices, but your friends and family are still so in it and not wanting to see the other side of it that, like you're having trouble because your friends are talking about like dieting or, you know, making comments about what you're eating or not even comments about what you're eating, but about what they're eating. Mm -hmm. Um, I know in my family, like, you know, that my mom struggles with like her body image. And I know that like when she gets like she'll feel great and then she'll get on the scale and then feel upset and like I want to help her through that but I struggle with my own stuff and it's like I'm trying to get out of that and away from like weighing myself or anything like that like how do you navigate those yeah my whole family like people
0: in my family that are my age or maybe a little bit older food has been a topic nonstop growing up Mm -hmm. with I like So many of the young girls in my family, it is what I'm eating will make me look fat. I can't eat this because I'm about to go swimming and like be in a bikini or I shouldn't keep going at Thanksgiving because I've already had too much. And food has been a topic nonstop in my family. And I've definitely noticed that more so now that I've tried to shift my own thinking. But yeah, going back to family or friends that still really talk about that. How do you deal with that?
2: Yeah, well, I think it's everybody's situation is a little different. But if you feel comfortable, I mean, you could try setting a boundary with them where you just say something like, "Hey, you know, like I I was really struggling with my relationship with food and the way I felt about myself, and I'm I'm doing a lot of work around that now to really um, just feel good in the body that I have and focus on my well being without it being about my weight, uh, I would love you to support me on that. And you know, you can sort of say, like, will you support me on that? And then if they say yes, then say, okay, what would be really helpful is just that if we don't talk about food or dieting or or weight when we're together. Mm-hmm. And um and that that that's like a a great way to do it. If you feel comfortable setting that boundary and that's going to be the best way to kind of protect yourself. And, and hopefully if they're close friends or family, they'll get on board with that. And really you're making it about you. It's not to say like that they're doing something wrong. It's to Mm -hmm. say like, Hey, I really had an issue with this. It wasn't making me feel good. And I'm, I'm healing that. And this is really going to support me in that healing. I statements.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I statements. Exactly. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, um, and I've seen that work really well before and then I've seen it not work because Mm -hmm. people just continue to cross that boundary and that's really hard. Um, and I think that sometimes you have to really, you know, hold strong and be like, okay, we talked about this, like, can we just not talk about this stuff? Um, other strategies are just, you know, like limiting time with certain people if they are constantly crossing that boundary or if they're always, if you're always feeling really bad about yourself when you're around them or really trying to change the subject Mm -hmm. or becoming really good at like putting on metaphorical earmuffs. Um, you know, like I just kind of got to the point where depending on the people that I'm around, if I know that they're just going to talk about those things, or if they're people I don't know and, and they're talking about these things, like, I'm just able to kind of look at the situation and be like, God, I'm so glad I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, especially if it's like people I don't know and and like, it's not an appropriate time for me to say like, Hey, can you stop talking mm-hmm. about your diet? Right, right. Like I just look at it and I'm like, wow, I'm just so glad that I have more interesting things to talk about now than like, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of like, keto pancakes you're making like (laughs) snore you know so that's (laughs) uh, that's (laughs) that's that's kind of those are some different ways to approach it but I I I really try to encourage people to kind of set boundaries with people who are close to them Mm -hmm. like especially if it's their partner or um, good friends and things like that that would be hard but it makes sense I can come with you next time and yeah. help you. Yeah. <laughs> I like that solution. Yeah. Just have you on speed dial and like put yeah. you on speaker.
1: I so have somebody you need to talk my to. My friend Summer
0: has
2: something to say yeah. about this. <laughs> so <funny>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then just like post incessantly about it on social media and then they'll know you what you're about. Yeah. yeah. That's true. <laughs> no, but uh, actually I should mention, you know, when you're, when you're first starting to do this work, like you really just do it for you. Like don't mm-hmm. try to convince other people. Don't mm-hmm. try to bring them in unless totally. they're asked to be brought in. Um, you you just really need to focus on you, and you're going at a certain pace, and like you're learning all this new stuff, and you're doing work on this. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, I, I really want like my partner to be to mm-hmm. understand and like to get it." And it's cool if they're open to learning and they want to like learn this stuff too. But if if they're not really like, just focus on yourself first, and then you being a role model for it is going to be the best thing that you can do to help others kind of see, oh, there's some, there's like an alternative to just constantly be talking about food and things like that.
1: Right. That's something I really struggle with because when I find something that like is so helpful and amazing and makes me feel so like genuinely good. I want to like share it with the people that I love, but then when they don't like it, it like makes me feel sad and bad about it. And then I don't feel as into it anymore. So I think that's something I really need to work on with like setting up those boundaries and just being like, this is for me right now. Mm-hmm. Let's just focus on me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then once you get really comfortable, you know, being able to kind of speak to these things, and then, then if you want, you can, have more of those conversations but Mm -hmm. there's just so much learning that goes on in the beginning and because people's perceptions of diets and food and bodies are so ingrained in them it's like it's kind of a discussion that you don't really want to have unless you are a lot further along in your process and Mm -hmm. the person's actually open to learning because otherwise it's just kind of a a, an endless yeah frustrating battle
0: can end up being more damaging like you said Mm -hmm. if you're not there yet to hear the then, no, I'm not interested. It could be like, oh, shit, what am I doing then?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes people sense. aren't ready. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about, like, our, you know, if your mother's dieting and stuff, like, she just might not be ready to hear this. And that's, that's okay. Like, right. you can just be the role model, try to support the beliefs that you're learning. So what I mean by that is if, like, you know, you're, your mom makes a comment about her body or she's upset after stepping on the scale, just being like, mom, just, you know, like, I love you regardless of how you look like, you know, you're, you're good enough regardless of how you look. Mm -hmm. And that's a way for you to kind of like share these learnings and beliefs without being like, Hey, you need to do this instead. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's the way that I've, I've tried to approach it with people who I'm just like, I don't think I just think they're going to always be dieters and there's nothing they can do. So you shouldn't steal somebody's scale. Yeah. And break it. <laughs> no. Don't <laughs> check it out somebody
0: else.
2: it depends. That'd be fun. Okay. <laughs> I have options. I,
0: <laughs> I think one of the last big topics we wanted to discuss was just the topic of comparison and really – like looking at other people and trying not to always constantly compare where you're at and where another person's at. And that can go from anything. I feel like it can go from a journey of wanting to be like more content and happy with your body. Like, I wish I was like that happy like she was, Mm -hmm. or like, Oh, I wish I was as skinny or as fit as Mm -hmm. they were. So talking a little bit about comparison and how that works and how to kind of break out of it.
2: Yeah, well, comparison. We've been we've been kind of like programmed to always sort of look at other things and think, how do I measure up? Right. And so again, just knowing, okay, it's not your fault that you compare. Like, there's nothing wrong with you if you compare. Um, we have been told that you know desirability is the most important thing, and that we need to be desirable and evil in order to be like safe and lovable. And and so it's normal to kind of then compare ourselves to others and think, okay, how do I measure up? Mm-hmm. Um and so just kind of recognizing that that pattern is is important. Um and then I'll just say comparisons are one of the hardest things to go because until you really Feel good enough regardless of the way that you look. You're going to be comparing yourself to others because it's all coming from this belief of of like, you know, my value is in my appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you really work on separating that, which can take a very long time, then you're able to kind of look at people and be like, okay, they look different than me, and they maybe fit, fit the standard of beauty more than I do. But that's okay. Whatever, it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in order for some like tangible things to do in the moment, I usually have people, first of all, just really call themselves out on kind of any assumptions that they're making. So, you know, what are you assuming about that person based on how they look, like that their lives are better, that they don't have any kind of issues. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, sometimes you can even just be like, well, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Like, of course, they probably have issues too. Um, Like, what's the story that I'm making up about this person as a result of how they look? And just, just notice any assumptions that you're making. And then, the next thing you can try and do is just think to yourself, like, what am I believing about myself in this moment? So am I believing that, like, I must be unattractive, or I, no one's going to love me, or, like, I'm not valuable, or, you know, what's the thing that you're believing about yourself in that moment? Because then what you can do is you can kind of start to separate um, just that narrative of comparison to actually get to, like, okay, I'm having a moment where I'm just feeling really insecure or I'm having a moment where like I'm feeling unattractive or not desirable. And, and that makes it a lot easier to kind of tend to yourself in that moment instead of going through like the catastrophizing thought process of like, oh, well, God, I'm like, what's wrong with me? I need to lose weight and blah, 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 blah. Instead, it's, instead it's, it's a more compassionate way of dealing with the situation. And that's by kind of identifying, like, the real struggle that you're having in that moment. And often you can just say to yourself, like, okay, I'm having a moment where I'm feeling insecure. And, um, and, and then, you know, if you want to take it a step further, it's like, okay, well, like, What are some things that you can maybe say to comfort yourself in that moment? And I don't mean positive affirmations because that doesn't work. But, um, like, things like, okay, like, you're going to be okay. You're working through this. There's a lot of people who care for you. Um, You know, you've done a really good job showing up today or, like, whatever it is um, that feels really genuine to you. That's kind of like what you would say to a friend if they came over to you and said, like, I'm feeling really insecure today. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so that's like that, that, that's a, that's a huge piece of it. And I don't think that it's going to like fix you, fix that emotion in the moment because that's not what (laughs) compassion does. It's just about like making space for it. And that helps you to then start to kind of change those beliefs that you have, um, and build up more compassionate self-talk to become more resilient to those situations as you go forward. Mm -hmm. But I would say the biggest thing is just knowing that it's like one of the last things to sort of start to go away in this process. I mean, I still compare myself on different things, like more so now it's related to my business and like success Mm -hmm. and things like that versus people's bodies. Um, because I've really sort of moved past that being like a, a concern, but, um, comparisons are always there because we always have parts of ourselves that are more insecure and sensitive and vulnerable and that's okay. It's just about Mm -hmm. learning to kind of bring in those parts of ourselves and tend to them. Yeah. Comparison is
0: probably one of the things that I struggle with the most and just constantly, no matter what I feel like I'm doing. And it's usually around bodies because like, I like to think that I go through most days not thinking about how I look, but if like how I look on the outside is a lot of where I find value day to day. Mm -hmm. And if I'm at the gym, anything is like I'm looking for the other girl in the gym and seeing where she's at. And that will motivate me or not whatever in that moment to be like, Oh, okay. I can do like 15 more minutes. I'll just be here for 15 more minutes. That's fine. And so that makes, I don't know, that really hits hard. (laughs) And I really like your tangible steps, like to what's like a really fast way to look at what that meant um, to myself. And like, what am I trying to say about that other person too? Like it's feeling yeah, real so, like,
2: in that situation for you. Like, well, you know, I think in that moment, you could almost be like, okay, I'm having this moment where I'm feeling insecure saying doing 15 more minutes of anything is not going to help. Right. So like, you could even just for you, like, be like, okay, what's the best course of action for me here? That's not going to kind of further, me down this rabbit hole of feeling insecure. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and it it might just mean like kind of sitting with that discomfort or being like, you know what, my body's had enough. Like that's good enough for me for today. And like cutting it there instead of, instead of like sort of listening to the voice of your inner critic and, and, and following the direction of like, well, I better work harder in -hmm. order to kind of live up to that standard. It's, it's about like really listening to the other side of you. Like, you know what, you've done enough. It's time to go. Like Mm -hmm. you're good.
0: Right totally
2: work in progress
1: (laughs) but i think that strategy is so good to use for any of those times like you were saying yeah whether it's your business your body
0: yeah using just using those tangible tools is Mm -hmm. fantastic all right this is the point in our episode where we like to do homework for honeys where we like to talk about one actionable step that we can all do to start incorporating what we talked about today. So Summer, would you give all of us some amazing homework to work on this week?
2: Yeah, well, I think like, you know, let's talk about our closets. Let's, let's go through our Mm -hmm. closets and get rid of the stuff that doesn't fit. I feel like that was really relevant. Mm -hmm, Um, and, um, and it is like such an important step. And so even if that feels scary, I would say just like pack it away, get it out of sight. And, um, and that's like kind of the first step before you get rid of it out of your house. If that feels too difficult for you, Mm -hmm. but, um, if you want more, like, get rid of the scale and, and change uh-huh. your social media too. So there's a lot of homework that can happen, mm-hmm. but, um, but let's, if we want to prioritize one, let's, let's do our closets. It's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's, it's a good time to do it. The seasons are changing. Right. Um, we can go through and get rid of some of the stuff that doesn't make us feel good.
0: Even if it feels like, Oh, I'm just packing this away. Cause like the summer season's over, at least you're getting it like out of your sight and out mm-hmm. of your like constant vision of I don't even fit into that so why does it matter it's like just say it's for the seasons if you can't bring yourself there yet mm-hmm. to say I don't fit in it which is i put there's so much stuff in my like balcony closet that that is clothes that i don't fit into that, like it's packed away for summer that's why <laughs> <laughs> so that was coming from experience
2: <laughs> and that's okay yeah
1: well i think that's great homework and a great first two steps to start really taking into consideration mm-hmm. we need to all just shed the things that don't make us feel good nationwide mm-hmm. yep <laughs> closet wide <Yes. laughs> that just don't fit anymore yeah.
0: and never maybe did nationwide if you're yep.
1: talking about that yes oh, fantastic <sighs> well, well thank I think- you so much and before we end can you tell our listeners where they can continue to connect with you
2: sure so um, my website is summer or you can just go to TheBodyImageCoach.com. If you can't spell my name, <laughs> um, <and laughs> it'll be in our show notes too. <laughs> you'll find everything there. I actually have a 10 day body confidence makeover that, um, has like 10 steps you can take right now to start feeling better in your body. One of those has the closet stuff in it, but there's okay. 10 other steps in there too. So if people are looking for some more tangible things, that's a good place to start. And then my podcast is called, um, depending on when this airs it's going to be called eat the rules or (laughs) or it'll be under the old name fearless rebel radio but it should be under eat the rules because i think that's going to happen the next two weeks and i'm not sure perfect then
1: it should be yeah Yeah. we should be good
2: so my podcast is eat the rules and (laughs) (laughs) i've got like 176 plus episodes there all about this type of stuff
0: thank you so much to summer for being on the podcast today to get into all the things that is body confidence. I think this was an amazing conversation, something I'm really happy to keep going at and keep Mm -hmm. talking about. And thank you so much to
1: our listeners for sticking with us. Yeah, and if you have a few minutes, you know what the deal is, (laughs) head to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me Podcast. It helps us so much. And we truly believe in the power of this episode. We truly think that everyone needs to hear this. So share it with the people that you love. I know that I will. I think there are so many things that we talked about that people need to hear and just aren't getting Mm -hmm. access to. So share it with somebody that you love because they deserve to love their bodies and feel good.
0: And stick with us because we wanna continue this conversation next week. I mean I hope you stick with us a lot longer than just next <laughs> week. But we You just gotta make it one more <laughs> week, honeys. But we think this conversation is really important and Cass and I realized how much we just we need to talk about this and we mm-hmm. need to talk about how this resonates with us personally and how this has kind of been throughout our like our our experience with it our relationship with body confidence throughout our life so next week we really want to just get into that and talk just honestly and openly between Cass and I about body confidence and
1: about honestly where we're at and where we've been. Yes. With this. I think that's the thing I'm most excited about for that episode is I feel like a lot of the things you read about body confidence are like this is how I worked through my issues and I'm great now. And I think what's going to be really important about that episode is we're not talking about how we've fixed everything. No. We're talking about our journeys with body confidence and where we're at now, which is not on the other side of that. No. We're not on the other side. We're not fantastic. No. And honestly, the things that I think I'm going
0: to get into, I don't think I've told anyone.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. No one has asked me questions that I think we're going to ask each other. And no one has opened up a space for us to talk, I think, this honestly that we're going to do. Mm -hmm. So get ready. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We just, the whole point of this is just to remind all of ourselves that we are not alone yeah. and that we're all experiencing the same thing, feeling the same shitty feelings, the same good feelings, and just trying to work through it. So right. that's the whole point of that episode. And we can't wait to share it with you. And
0: I Said it better myself.
1: Couldn't have said it better myself.
0: <laughs> I could have said that I better said myself. I said it better by myself over there. So <laughs>
1: well, we'll see you next week. See you next week.